0: Welcome everybody to Beauty IQ the podcast. I'm your host, Joanna Fleming. And I am your co-host, Hannah First. Do we have an intro? Well, I was, um, oh my God. I was just going (laughs) to say, that was weird. I was just going to say, um, we've just, (laughs) Can I, can I say we've just interviewed your mum and I actually, she's like a natural, she's so good. Yeah.
1: And you guys are really similar. I come from a long line of uh, professional podcasts.
2: I know.
0: (laughs) But like you said, you didn't think you were similar. You've definitely got like, when she said the bit about the rock hard watermelons, (laughs) I was like, like the analogy was something you'd come up with. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I think I have my
1: mother's uh, confidence. I'll say that. I think I inherited that. Yeah,
0: I think that's true. And when she said that she'd been doing it for 49 years, I was like, what are we going to be doing? I don't know. Yeah. Are we still going to be podcasting? So
1: a lot of my family work in like healthcare or like, you know, um, emergency services. And so I feel like when I sit at Family Deer, I'm like, oh. You know, today we talked about, um, you know, what lipsticks we love, and they're all like, oh, you know, I saved someone's
0: life. I'm like, oh, I'm a bad person. Totally. <laughs> I know. No, well, we are. We're contributing in other ways. Yeah. We normalize bowel movements, which we do. is there, which is Any important. bigger job than that. <laughs> but i think that this is a good topic to start with labor because my sister just had a baby yes, and she's now congrats. not answering the freaking phone so mm. you know how i'm like apparently she's tired and Aww. i just like don't be tired like i want to come and see the baby <laughs> like you need to accommodate my Hannah, you already needs. made her wedding about you let her have the baby <laughs> <laughs> um no I'm so excited and then my best friend Steph who was also so it's so weird because Steph and Alice were I think their due dates were the same Steph's partner and then um yeah they ended up I think within 24 hours both had their baby wow so how do you feel does it feel any different I think the photos have been like I don't know how I'm gonna feel when I actually like hold her because I don't know what I'm, am I going to have babies? I don't know. Yeah. So I think this will be a good test to be like, how much do I love it? Yes. Do I love it enough to have my own? You know what? <laughs> I I
1: think we're very similar in that we're not very maternal people. Like I don't like other yeah. people's kids. I, I yeah. just, I don't really, they don't make me want to have kids. Yeah. But when I, when my sister-in-law had my nephew, I yeah. was like, oh my God, this must be what it's like to yep. love your own child. And I can imagine it's probably way more than that. But the amount yep. that I love him, I just think, like, maybe I do want them.
0: <laughs> yeah. I think we should just keep open minds. Yes, yeah. that's, that's leave it up to the universe. Yes. Actually, actually don't do that. Don't do that. <laughs> that's, that's bad advice. Well, I mean... <laughs> You've thought about
1: it obviously enough to go and have your eggs frozen. Though. 100%. No, yeah. I
0: think I do. I think I do. I'm just, as you said, not, I don't have that maternal pull yep. that, that mm. a lot of women I, that I know have that pull. And yes. I haven't felt that. And yeah. you think by almost 33, but we'll see.
1: Yeah. I we'll was see. actually having a conversation with one of my friends the other night and um, we were talking about how she's coming to the end of her uni degree. And she was like, I don't even know why I'm doing it. I just want to be a mum." And I was like, yeah. that's the opposite to me. That's yeah. never been me. Whereas I think some, um, you know, some of my friends are just like, oh, that's really what I want. That's what I want to do with my
0: life. And I- I'm going to say something controversial. Like, mm. you know how like some women are like, they want career or children yeah. and they're trying to juggle both. Like I'm not sure if I want either. <laughs> I've always in the back of my mind be like, I don't know. I, don't, I just want to go to Thailand. <laughs> oh, my God. I actually,
1: I met someone out the other night that listens to the podcast yeah. and she came up to me and she goes, where's Where's Hannah? And I said, I don't know. And she goes, is she in Thailand? I said, probably.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Not yet, not yet. Not yet. Um, Soon, though. Yeah, no, I'm booking. I think I'm going to book this week um, for either December Jan Mm -hmm. and then I'll be back in April for a wedding and then who knows where life will take me.
1: Yeah. Uh, Well, not away from the podcast, though, because this is, you know. No, I'll still be
0: here. I feel like the content will be better. I'll have more dating content if I'm in Thailand. Trust me.
1: Well, I think yeah. I might just come with you to Thailand, and we can just record. I from think there. you should. I think I should too. Hundred yeah. percent. Um, tax
0: deduction. <laughs>
1: <laughs> don't tell the ATO, everyone.
0: Yeah, don't um, tell them. So, what is on today's episode, Hannah? Well, as we mentioned, Joe's mum is joining us to talk about labour. Then we are talking about moisturiser with Cheezer Westcar, and of course, the products we didn't know we needed.
1: Uh, I feel like we said. Maybe at the start, when we first did the pregnancy episode, Hannah, that we were going to get my mum on to talk about pregnancy and labour. And I thought that there was probably no better time given that my mum is about to retire after 49 years of being a midwife. Wow! Um, So she's here to join us uh, today to talk about labour. Welcome to the podcast, Mum. Thank you, Joe. <laughs> Hi, Hannah. Nice to be here
0: <laughs> after all this it's, time. It's weird timing because my best friend and my sister have both just had babies. Oh, so lovely, lovely. Weird timing that we've that you organised this, Joe. Yeah, I thought it was
1: very fitting. I have grown up listening to some horror stories at the dinner table. <laughs> uh, a lot of people wouldn't have had to do that throughout their life, but I have. Mum, you've probably delivered the babies of some of the people that are listening to this podcast. Like, I wouldn't be surprised if they've had you deliver their kids. so Every chance. If anyone has had Rose Blair deliver their baby, um, let me know. <laughs> um, so can you talk us briefly through the process of labor for those of us who haven't had babies yet, like Hannah and I? Oh, well, now there's a few, sta- a few phases of labor now, and they've actually added a new one, which is called
3: pre-labor. And so a lot of girls think they're actually in in good labour when they're in the pre-labour phase and that's when you're you're actually contracting but it's just the cervix which is the neck of the womb which is thinning out and getting ready for active labour and then you've got the first stage of labour which is now classified from about four centimetres of dilatation up to 10 centimetres so you can imagine you know you need to be this big before a baby's head can come (laughs) down. Uh, Second stage Mm -hmm. is from 10 centimetres or fully dilated, as we say, and uh, to birth of the baby. Then you've got your third stage, which is from the birth of the baby through to the delivery of the placenta. And then your fourth stage is the period from after the, the placenta's been delivered for four hours after birth. And that's when a lot of new bonding mm-hmm. and all that sort of stuff happens. Mm-hmm.
0: I thought um, maybe that's because what you see in TV shows and the movies that as soon as you have contractions, you go to the hospital. My sister said that's actually not the case. Like you wait at home and then you Absolutely. go to the hospital a certain, when you're ready to give, have the baby. <laughs> yes, yes. We
3: encourage girls, they'll ring us and then we'll say, oh, look, you know, have a couple of Panadol, wait at home, mm-hmm. ha- use the water, you know, shower or bath or whatever for pain relief move around, do all that sort of stuff because girls expect as soon as they get to hospital they're going to have a baby and that's just not mm. reality, unfortunately, for most.
1: Mm. Yep. Um, Are people panicked, though, like for their first baby? Because I feel like if I was having my first kid and I didn't know when the right time was to go to the hospital, I'd just go straight away. As soon as I felt something, I'd be like, I'm, I'm gone, I'm at the hospital. Oh,
3: a lot of girls do, Yep. A number of girls might ring, you know, three or four times before we actually say, "Yep, yeah, no, come on in, we can check you out, see mm-hmm. what's happening, um, and then if you're not in good labour, we'll send you back home with some stronger pain relief and, um, you know, then you come back in with X, A, B, C, D, whatever. Yeah, so mm-hmm. you would never hesitate in ringing your your hospital or your midwife if you're concerned.
1: Mm-hmm. I think I would be a really nervous um, pregnant person, just the thought of being pregnant freaks me out and thinking about <laughs> labor and all of that. What, what would you say to people that are really nervous about their labor?
3: I think the best thing you can do is prepare yourself, have the knowledge so that you know what's happening, why your body's doing what it's doing. If you understand the whole processes, then that makes the reality a little bit easier to manage don't listen to your well-meaning friends and maybe family or <laughs> sisters or best friends um, because they usually tell you the horror stories and it's not all horror stories. Mm. So I think knowledge is your best weapon. Um, mm-hmm. And, you know, don't be afraid to ask questions. If you can get to birthing classes, all are better. If you can't get into birthing classes, because I know they're really hard to get into these days, Try and do something online or do research online, but go to reputable sites. Don't go to Dr Google, who might tell you some ridiculous (laughs) stuff. You know, there's good websites for the women's and and probably Monash as well. Um, Yeah, choose your source. And being in a really good headspace during labour is very important because half of labour is in your head. If you're in a good place in your mind and you're dealing with it well, be open to suggestions from your midwife. If, if she thinks you're really doing well, but you feel like you're falling apart, then just try and feed off her encouragement. But if you get hit the wall, then you just hit the wall and you just say, no, nah, thanks. I'll have an epidural or I'll have some pain relief or whatever choices mm-hmm. you want to make at that
1: point. But, yeah, education mm. is the key. Mm-hmm. I think I'm all for an epidural um, <laughs> whenever. So uh, you'll be there if I ever do decide to have children to make sure that I get that on time. Because oh. <laughs> There's a time when you can't have it, isn't there? Um, mm. Yeah.
3: not Probably not so much with your first baby but certainly with subsequent babies because you could be sitting up on the side of the bed getting your epidural put in your back and you're sitting on the baby's head and, you know, we'll swim uh, you swim you're around and there's a sitting sitting there so but first baby you've got that window of time up your sleeve so Mm -hmm. even if you were eight centimeters nine centimeters and not coping you still can have a two hour second stage So we would probably Mm -hmm. then go, okay, let's get an epidural.
0: So what are some of the biggest misconceptions women have about labour before they've actually experienced it?
3: Okay, yeah, well, the biggest one for me, and I often say it to girls, they'll come in, my water broke, but I'm not having the baby. And my answer is you watch too much Home and Away, the baby does not (laughs) fall out when the water breaks. That would probably (laughs) be the biggest one. And how they'll cope. They think they're going to be, you know, they've got really good pain tolerance, but nobody has got pain tolerance until they've been in labour. You don't know how you're going to cope with it. (laughs) And don't be afraid to say, Mm. I'm not coping. You know, you don't have to be a martyr. Nobody gives out prizes for being brave when you're having a baby. You just go with what you want to do. And unrealistic expectations. If you've written a three-page birth plan, be open to the Mm. fact that that may actually not come off. Sometimes the Mm -hmm. baby's got a different idea, sometimes for whatever reason you don't labour properly, you may have to be induced. There's so many variables in the labour process, so you really have to be open-minded, especially when you've got a big long birth plan. Sometimes I think it's better to not write it down, maybe talk about it with your partner and have a few ideas, but nine times out of ten girls who've got this lovely written out birth plan, it all goes pear-shaped. So, mm. keep it in your mind, have it have thoughts, have talks about mm. it, but maybe don't actually write it down and put it put a pen to
1: paper. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, in terms of the pain, Hannah, I feel like we had this conversation with Linda once. What did she say?
0: So she, I was natural, no epidural, and she just said, she can't just couldn't describe, like she's still, if she thinks about it, she just can't even think about the pain. Not to scare anyone. And then she basically said she had an epidural for Alice, my who just had a baby. Um, and she just was eating cucumber sandwiches and had a. It was completely fine, but like I think her experience of having me natural compared to the epidural was like vastly, vastly different. Yeah,
3: well, that, that's exactly right. That's different people's perspective. I've had no. I all I used for Jackson, my first one was gas. Second one, I didn't even have mm-hmm. time for gas, um, got to hospital and okay. had him. And then I had Joanna in an hour. So no pain relief with any of oh. them. So,
0: And was it the worst pain of your life? Because mum just says it's, it's indescribable. It's
3: pretty up there, I've got to say. Um, <laughs> but, you know, I mean, having I was already a midwife when I had Jackson. So yes. I had the knowledge there. I was a little concerned yeah. because every every girlfriend who was a midwife prior to me having Jackson had had terrible labours, dreadful births, and I was thinking, oh, my God, this must be a midwife thing. But um, I had perfectly mm. normal labours, you know, 12 hours for the first one, normal delivery, all went really, really well. So everybody is different. And I think that's one of the things that girls need to be aware of, that whatever happened to their sister yeah. or their girlfriend it's, it's not going to be the same for you. Your um, mm. perception of pain is different as well. And you just got to go in there with an open mind to be prepared to, to take advice from whoever's caring for you um, because on, on the whole, they've been doing it for a while and, and they see different girls' reactions to different things. But, you know, if you've got your partner or your mum or whoever's supporting you in labour and you've had the talk about it, Get
1: them involved as well. Do you think that your um, level of care was different prior to having kids versus after kids? Like, did you approach work differently?
3: Um, you know, I don't think I did because I'd been nursing for a long, oh, for probably about nine years before I became a midwife. I'd always had that level of care. I think your understanding, and in fact, how your patients perceive you when they know you've had children is very different Mm. Um, and I'm finding that now I walk into a a room of a labouring lady who has had a younger girl looking after them for instance and I'll walk in the room and you can almost see them go oh and relax he's an old lady she knows what she's doing and you know I might have been a midwife who became a midwife five minutes ago but just because you look older and I always walk into a room confidently that makes a big difference to how your patients perceive you, but I think I've always probably treated my patients the same. Mm.
0: So we obviously can't have this conversation without addressing poo at some point. Um, It video BD-I-Q Uncensored. Anecdotally, how common is it to poo during labour? Oh, very, very common.
3: (laughs) (laughs) In fact, I wrote down on my little notes um, probably about 80% of the time. Oh. Oh. Okay. The difference with that, like years ago, girls come in in labour, they got a small enema to empty their rectum. Uh, These days, no one gets an enema. Most girls are a bit constipated when they're pregnant. So as the baby's head's coming down the birth canal, it compresses the rectum, which naturally pushes it out. So it just, it's... It has to happen and you can't stop it from happening and you can't worry about it either.
0: And I promise well, you. Your, let's normalise it. Your midwife
3: <laughs> has seen it a thousand times and she's going to see it yeah. another thousand times in the next 12 months. So,
1: yeah. So it's, do you just like scoop it up and take yeah, it away? Yeah, or? Yeah. And often the
3: girl doesn't actually know she's done it. You know, the husband's oh. eyeballs are rolling around in their head. Oh. <laughs> 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 and we just... <laughs> Just wipe it away <laughs> and pop it in the bin and, and
1: keep going uh, on with what we're doing. Wow. <laughs> I wonder if uh, Alice did a poo, Hannah.
0: I haven't actually asked her. <laughs> and you know what? If she
1: didn't know she did it, then nobody else would
3: tell
0: she her. She may not have known. Yeah. Yeah,
1: yeah. yeah. yeah okay. <laughs> so one of the things, Mum, that I noticed when my sister-in-law was um, having my nephew was that you had all of these little um, tips and tricks that, normal people probably wouldn't know. So what are the top things you think everyone should pack in their hospital bags or things that they should have at home ready for when they get home from the hospital?
3: I've found, and and a lot of our clients use these now, disposable undies or, in fact, the tenor lady undies for the first, mm-hmm. you know, 12, 24 hours because your loss is fairly heavy. They're always good to have in your bag a bag of snakes or jelly babies or barley sugar or something for when you're labouring um, because it's not always a good idea to have a big meal when you're labouring. You know, if you, you, nine times out of ten you vomit when you're labouring anyway. So if you've got a belly full mm. of food, you just feel like, you really feel like mm. crap. And if you needed to have a caesarean emergency, then if you've got a tummy full of food, that's not a good outcome either. So keeping some, you know, barley sugars or energy drinks or things like that. Um, in your bag bag full of snacks for your partner because hospitals don't feed the partners they're not our concern mm. oh your own toiletries and a decent maternity <sighs> pad and decent undies mm. don't bring in a g-string <laughs> because girls have come in with g-strings <laughs> and those little g stringy pads before and what? you going. Are you serious? This just doesn't cut it. <laughs> the last
1: thing I'd want to wear after birthing a baby
3: is a G-string. Well, a G-string. you know, they, they don't know any better until after they've birthed the baby. Um, oh, wow. Yes, yeah, so they good maternity pads. Comfy clothes for after you've had the baby. Not, don't worry about trying to get into your jeans because it's not going to happen. So those nice, comfy, loose, happy pants are oh, Three or four sets of clothes for the baby because you might think, oh, no, they're only going to have one wee or one poo. Well, they might go through three or four sets of clothes in 24 hours. So
1: mm-hmm. plenty of things like that. Mm-hmm. Yep. Um, one of the things that stuck with me was the um, the cabbage leaves in the freezer. Oh, yes, for after. Yes, yes. When you get home, yeah. you've got breast mm-hmm. engorgement. Um, cabbage leaves
3: or wet Wet your face washers and pop your face washers into the freezer as well and then you can pop. They, they mould to the shape of your breasts while they're freezing and that's really good for when your breasts are filling up and they're as hard as rocks. Mm-hmm. And when that happens also, if you can't get the baby on the breast because your breasts are so rock hard, express your nipples off a little bit to soften up your breasts so that the baby can actually get on. If you're trying to put a baby mm-hmm. on a rock hard breast, it's like... You trying to suck the end of a watermelon? It just doesn't
0: work. So, Hannah and I are both like, "What?" You can visualize. I see where you get your personality from, Joe. I love it. Do you? <laughs> uh,
1: yeah. Actually, I feel like I feel like I'm not that similar to my mum. I'm getting I'm getting Joe vibes. <laughs> All right. Well, maybe the audience is as well. Um, I feel like. Um, you haven't given the audience as much of the graphic detail as I normally get, Mum. Well, um, I wasn't sure so how much they've been spared. How
3: much graphic detail you wanted? I didn't want to scare <laughs> these poor girls off who might be thinking of having a baby or actually in like la- That's a good idea. You were pregnant. Yeah, don't worry about me. I'll just be terrified <laughs> for the rest of my life. But, yeah, uh, yeah. No, my advice is educate yourself um, mm. and don't listen to your friends because you know their experience is going to be different to yours. And, you know, just just go in there with an open mind. Mm-hmm. Be active during labour unless you're being induced and, there's you know, for all different reasons that can happen.
0: But, uh, you know, be up and about, hop in the bath, getting the shower, things like that. Well, it was funny because we went to Chadston with Alice, my sister, like, the, the, and then literally she was walking around. She was five or six days overdue and she just wanted it out. And so we went out for the day and then literally she was, in the hospital that night. Yes. Yeah. So yeah, I can't yeah. imagine wanting to go to Chadstone five or six days over Well, <laughs> she she I think she just needed to get yes, up and yeah, active, yeah, and then, and then it happened.
1: Yeah, yeah. Yeah.
3: Well, I could tell you just a few things to do to try and in, get yourself into labour, but you'd probably don't want to hear that, and maybe your audience doesn't <laughs> either.
0: <laughs> we need imagine. a part two, Joe.
1: Yeah, we might we might have to do a part two, but the um the more uncensored version. <laughs> We're going to have to give me some more leading questions. Yeah. <laughs> um, well, thanks for joining us, Mum. If anyone has any labour questions, I mean, you can send them through to me and I'll pass them on to, to Mum. My pleasure. Uh, to answer. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Um, well, congrats on 49 years of uh, midwifery yes. oh, slash nursing. You, yeah. It's coming coming to the end. It but is. I know that you've probably brought a lot of babies into the world, so a lot of women would be grateful. Do you
0: reckon we'll um, celebrate forty nine years of beauty IQ on Sunday? <laughs> <laughs> well, I have, I have
3: actually delivered the baby of a baby that I delivered. Wow! Really? Yeah. So that was that was pretty amazing. And that's mm. when you know you're old, and it's absolutely, time to that's throw exactly the towel in. what I said
1: to the girls at work. I went, "Oh gosh, it's <laughs> time to retire. I've been here for too long." <laughs> So today we have a another back to basics kind of topic because uh, you guys all really liked that cleansing episode that we did a while ago with Yads. And so we have Cheesa Westcar joining us from Glow Skin and Nutrition to talk Moisturisers 101. Welcome back to the podcast, Cheesa. Oh, thank you so much, ladies. It's always a pleasure. Yes, great to have you back. And we're looking forward to um, getting through these basic moisturizer questions. So let's start off with the actual super basics for anyone that doesn't know what is a moisturiser and why is it important in a skincare routine?
2: It's a great first question. Well, a moisturiser is, I liken it to being a lid on a saucepan. So it tends Mm -hmm. to be a heavier cream that always follows perhaps the use of maybe a serum. So when we think Mm -hmm. of the products that we apply, we always go from lightest to the heaviest. And so a moisturiser is always in a cream form. And sometimes it can be a standalone product or it can be mixed with, say, sunscreen. But it's usually what we use to seal in the hydrating serum, which is always of a lighter weight.
0: So it's important to find the right moisturiser for your skin type. Which kind of moisturiser do you recommend for each skin type?
2: If you have someone who is a young skin, they would normally go for something more lightweight and the reason for that is that they tend to have natural oils and also hydrating factors in their skin. Young skin does not tend to need a heavier moisturizer. But if you had a young skin with a condition like eczema or psoriasis, then they would find that their skin might be quite dry, and which would make them sort of require something a bit, a bit richer. Someone with an oily skin, definitely, definitely a lightweight moisturizer. A drier skin or an aging skin will tend to like something richer. So it, it tends to be very much based around how that product feels on the skin. You'll often find someone with an oily skin saying, oh, my gosh, I don't like anything heavy because it, it makes my skin feel like it's suffocating or I feel my makeup slide off my face, for example.
0: When you say lightweight, do you mean like is that like a gel?
2: Yeah, so it can be. It, it, we, so we tend to look at preparations that are either water in oil or oils in water. An oil in water preparation is more lightweight. So that can be a bit of a, a mix between maybe a, a cream and a gel. So we call them cream gels, for example, and mm-hmm. they would be better on someone who doesn't like anything too heavy. And then mm-hmm. someone who likes a nice rich moisturizer, will, that moisturizer will have more of an oil base. So that would be, it would be a water in an oil preparation. Hannah, you love a rich moisturizer, which is Unusual video.
0: <laughs> I was gonna say I have oily skin, but obviously I'm in my 30s. So I this is this is my method to the madness. I will do a heavy, rich cream at night so that I get heaps of moisture in my skin overnight. And then like if I'm doing my makeup, that's when I'll swap to like a gel, but I feel like for my skin, because it's oily, but like I'm, but, but I'm in my 30s, so like I want anti-aging benefits, I definitely do richer moisturisers at night. Mm.
2: And you see, no two people are the same. You know, you might have yeah. someone who, because your skin's on the oilier side, cannot stand anything heavy on their skin, mm. right? So mm. their daytime moisturizer is the same as their nighttime moisturiser, whereas others, Hannah, prefer a dedicated nighttime cream that is richer because they they like the nourishing effects of that night cream, right? So Mm -hmm. yeah, we're we're all different. And the beautiful thing about moisturizers is that there are so many options and varieties out there. So um, I think the the rule of thumb, first of all, is knowing that traditionally a moisturizer has always been what you would seal your hydrating ingredients in with, Mm -hmm. but technology is changing. So there are some products on the market now where you've got a moisturizer that that is the product. So the changes, there are changes now where a moisturiser, I mentioned before that it's like a lid on the saucepan, but a moisturiser can also be the treatment product too. Mm, yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah.
1: So what kind of ingredients should you look for and what should you avoid in a moisturiser?
2: That's probably more of a skin type related question. Yes, yes, and that's a very good question. I think the consumer is becoming a lot more savvy. It used to be back in my day. I'm dating myself here, <laughs> but back in the day, you know, you'd go to a department store and you would pick your moisturiser based on the, the pot that it came in, how pretty the pot was mm-hmm. and how pretty the colour of the moisturiser was and you'd think, oh, well, this is a pretty blue or this is a pretty pink. Oh, smell this. You know, you'd pass it to your friend to have a sniff and that was what you would base your purchase on. So I think the first thing is that when you are looking to um, to purchase a moisturiser, you first of all identify what it is that you're looking to improve Mm -hmm. because it might be that the answer that you're looking for is not going to be in the moisturiser but in a treatment serum that goes under Mm -hmm. the moisturiser. So it might be your vitamin A serum, for example, that you're putting on the skin first and then you're going to pop the moisturiser on top. So are you looking for a product that is going to be a one-stop shop like I mentioned to you, you can have a moisturiser that has peptides in it and vitamin A, etc., or it might just be hydrating and nourishing mm-hmm. and then you've got your treatment serum that does the work. So mm. I guess that's the, that, that's the choice. Some people are very much, um, they have a very minimalist approach where they don't want to have five and six different products that they're applying at night. They just want the one standard thing. Mm-hmm. And so it, it, it comes down to the needs of the skin. A young skin very luckily still has a lot of oil production happening and hydrating factors in their skin that are still sort of being pushed out. So that's, that's a wonderful thing, but as we reach menopause and our oil levels start to deplete and our hydrating factors start to decrease, we need more and more help. And so we look to ingredients that are going to increase um, our oil production, for example. We're going to look for ingredients that are going to stimulate collagen, and maybe regulate pigment formation, you know, and you're not necessarily Mm going to find that in a moisturiser. That's where your treatment products come in and they would go under the Mm moisturiser.
0: And for those listening right now, like if you're not using the right moisturiser or you're not using one at all, what kind of impact can that have on the skin?
2: Not using one at all. Mm -hmm. Well, you would tend to find, and that's why I use the, the, the lid on a saucepan analogy, because if you've, you know you've cleansed your skin you might have put a serum on if you're not locking in that moisture then you might tend to find that skin being quite dry mm. being quite dehydrated because that moisture is going to basically basically be leached from the skin so a moisturizer acts like a little bit of a sealant if you like so mm. that could be one thing if you're using the wrong kind of moisturizer for your skin so say for example you're a someone i mean in your case Hannah you like a rich moisturizer but you're your skin is beautiful, right? And it's it's relatively pro- unproblematic. You don't really have any major concerns, right? But if you had someone who was m- maybe 10 years older than you with very dry skin, where there was oil depletion and there was hydration depletion, If you put on a a gel-like moisturizer on on your skin, it's not going to feel nourishing enough. It's not really going to do anything. So your skin is not going, it's going to feel like it needs, you know, a big drink of water. It's going to feel like it's missing the oils that obviously it needs. But it's not Mm. going to, using a, a lightweight moisturizer is not going to cause a breakout or anything like that. The flip side could happen, though, where you've got a skin that's very oily, producing a lot of oil, and then you slap on a heavy moisturizer. You might find the person becomes uh, maybe more prone to breakouts. Mm -hmm. Mm
0: -hmm. So
2: that could be a problem if you've got a very oily skin.
0: If I Mm -hmm. overdo it, like if I really overdo the hydration, I do end up with breakouts. So it's a very, you've got to get the balance for your skin right to like all the concerns that you have. I find that like I'm in a really good, I know how to keep it. So that it doesn't break out now. But oily skins, mm. if they do use too much moisture and oil, it does. It, it can,
2: can be problematic.
0: Totally, absolutely, yeah. Yeah. yeah.
2: And it's it's about. I think it's also. I mean, Hannah, you're you're quite savvy because you are you understand the industry, you understand what products mm. are available for yep. concerns. But when you've got a layperson who doesn't even know what a serum is, yeah, you know, it's hard. They go I used to be them. like that, and I remember <laughs> how
0: how hard it was yeah. to to like navigate what to use and what not to use. Mm. But it's tried it, it is definitely trial and error, but I think if you know your skin type and you know how certain products interact with your skin and you like keep note of that, that's when you you really start to get into a good rhythm, I think. That's right. That is right.
1: Mm, mm. Well, you mentioned the, um, you mentioned a night cream earlier or having a dedicated night cream. Can we talk about what the difference is between a moisturizer, a day cream and a
2: night cream? Because this is something we get asked by customers all the time. See, I guess I'm lucky because I also work in clinic where we have a whole range of products and Mm. no two people's needs are the same. So when someone wants a dedicated night cream, you will tend to find that it's a, a, a moisturizer that's a lot richer than what you would have for daytime. So the ingredients Mm -hmm. in it would be, you know, you might have, for example, um, a lot more oil-based ingredients where you wouldn't even dream of using that during the day because, for one, your makeup would slide off your face. So night creams tend to be richer in oils. So rather Mm than – so I'm just thinking about what Hannah asked before about, you know, sort of a, a gel as a moisturizer. A night cream is heavy on the oil and lighter on the hydration. Mm-hmm. Right. So, you know, when you put it on, it 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 does feel almost decadent, right? And so mm-hmm. it almost feels like you're putting a mask on the face, keeping moisture in, but really sort of nourishing and conditioning the skin. A daytime mm-hmm. moisturizer, when it's you know, sort of something that you're going to be putting a sunscreen on top of, is lighter weight. But mm-hmm. we mustn't forget that we can actually find a sunscreen that also doubles as a moisturizer. You know, so yeah. that that's something that's when people want to sort of cut down on their routine, they will have a moisturizer that has an SPF in it that actually feels like it's giving them enough moisturization that they can then put their their um, makeup over the top of. Mm-hmm. So to answer your question, a night cream tends to be a lot richer a lot more mm-hmm. sort of oil rich than a a regular moisturizer, yes.
0: And do you have any personal fave moisturizers you recommend to your own clients or
2: that you use yourself? Well there's a brand called Augustinus Beta. Mm.
0: Yeah. Mm. Have you heard of? Yeah. it? I really want to try this. <laughs> yes.
2: So that's a bit of an aspirational product. The price point yeah. keeps it aspirational. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Dermalist is a great range. Dermalogica has some great products. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, I love their gel, their awesome. vitamin, biolumine gel for oily skin. is really, mm. really nice because it's glowy, but
1: it's a gel. Awesome. Well, thank you for um, sharing all of your knowledge on moisturizers, Cheezer. It was great to chat to you again. Always a pleasure, girls. Thank you so much.
0: So mine today is the Alterna Hair Replenishing Moisture CC Cream. So I think this is a really um, interesting product because it's a set, you know, CC creams for your face or your skin, mm-hmm. this yeah. is for your hair. So it's a 10-in-1 leaving cream and it's actually got caviar extract, which I thought was interesting, marine botanicals, enzymes and antioxidants. So it's basically the 10-in-1... Hydrates, adds shine, smooths, softens. It also protects color against fading, um, improves manageability, strength helps prevent breakage, but um, gives light hold. But the one for me is it provides heat protection. So I feel like for me, that's what I need with all my heat styling. So the way that you use it is you'll apply it to damp um, hair after the shower, you use a five cent um, piece and you kind of emulsify it between your hands and then um, apply it throughout your hair and you can either blow dry it or I just like let my hair dry naturally. I am so lazy. I never blow dry. But yeah, I'm loving the Alterna. Have you used the Alterna hair I coat? haven't, but I've heard really good things about that product. Yeah. People, so I posted it to my Instagram and I had yeah. people, there's, there were two products that people were like, the CC cream that they love, but also yeah. the smoothing anti-frizz blowout butter, which I haven't okay. used, used yet. So, mm-hmm. but the CC cream was the one that people were like, oh my God, like obsessed with that product. Mm-hmm. I had never really used Alterna and I am really, really loving their yeah, product. Yeah, I
1: think it's underrated.
0: Yeah. So the CC cream is like their kind of cult favorite mm-hmm. Um in the range. And yeah, I'm using their ant- the frizz free shampoo conditioner from their range as well. So I think they have check their products out if you've got frizzy hair for sure. Mm. So what's yours today?
1: I've also gone with a hair product. Mm-hmm. Um, so your concern is frizz. Mine is uh, knots. My hair, mm. as most people who listen to this podcast will know, is fine. I have a lot of it. So it's really, really knotty. I have been to many, many hairdressers who have said I have the knottiest hair they've ever encountered. Mm-hmm. After they wash my hair in the base and they try to comb it out and it literally takes like half an hour to comb it out because it's so, so knotty. Um, so I always have to use like a detangling spray. I usually use the Purology Color Fanatic that yeah what was that
0: I have no idea is there me. a ghost in your house I don't even know do you what have that a ghost was? I don't know Hannah's he just a, a Hannah's just had a ghost sound.
1: yeah what was that hello <laughs>
0: okay keep going
1: <laughs> I don't think anyone could have gotten into your apartment
0: oh my god really sick. it must be the wind outside something's like yeah blown. okay sorry or, continue
1: or you have a ghost either way I have a ghost. um so anyway, I really need to use detangling products. I usually use the Pureology Color Fanatic Spray, but I recently started trying the Rain Cry Brilliance Detangling Spray. Now, mm. this has slippery elm bark to mm-hmm. add slip and heat protection and camellia flower oil to hydrate. But the thing that stands out most for me with this product is the smell. Remember that time? Who were we speaking to? It was a fragrance expert or someone. And they said that men are really attracted to the smell of vanilla. Mm, yeah, I've yep, never yep. forgotten that and I've got a bad memory that. but that really just stayed in there um this smells a lot like vanilla and it's Oof. really not not that fake vanilla not like that you know when you clean the fridge with that um fridge cleaning stuff and it smells really fake vanillary I don't know no, my mum uses it okay um it's not like that it's like a very nice Soft vanilla but it does detangle I like to mix this with the purology so I still use the purology and I use that like on top of it so I just you know go at it twice with two detangling things it makes it so much easier to comb through my hair and I use the um GHD um Paddle brush, which has replaced my childhood
0: Aww. painted
1: hairbrush, because I wanted Bad. to try and um, yeah, I didn't want it to like Bad. fully fall apart. I wanted to yeah. be able to keep it as an heirloom.
0: <laughs> so your so your baby could use it one day. Yeah, exactly,
1: <laughs> exactly. Um, yeah, so this is a um, protective leave-in conditioner. It gives the hair a lot of shine and it also acts as a heat protectant as well. So you could just use that on its own. I have very very naughty hair, so I like to use that with the purology one. Um, but it smells amazing. I much prefer the fragrance of that over the purology one but yeah and I think probably men would like it because it's vanilla so that's just what I'm going with
0: yeah love that for us yeah, yeah. <laughs> are you watching anything at the moment
1: no I haven't watched tv are you living in-,
0: in the real world
1: I'm living in the real world now. Um, I did recently finish watching Fires on ABC iView. I've spoken about that a few times. So that's mm-hmm. a really, really good Australian series.
0: I-, I have said on this podcast that I go to the movies with my parents and they make me sit in between them. I'm really yes. excited to do that again. We're going to do that this week. I love um, that. I think we want to see what are you seeing? James Bond. Ah, okay. Yeah. I would have expected you to be into James Bond. I'm pretty like i've got broad movie tastes i would say yeah i like i like everything i mean i'm not into marvel movies but then i go and see them why why is that why do we do that i never ever i don't think i've ever seen a marvel movie i reckon there's people listening that will, will relate to this you don't even like marvel movies but you just go because it's like everyone else is going and it's just a thing to do I never enjoy no, them. I can't wait. They're relate. always too long <laughs> and they're boring and I don't ever understand the storyline yeah. because I haven't seen all the other movies. I'm like, sorry, yeah. who's that? Like, can you give me some context? <laughs> why would you go and watch those if you've not seen I the don't previous know. ones? And I don't know, like, who's who and, like, why are they all? I, I have no idea what's going on. But okay. I, yeah, usually go my sister loves Marvel movies. But, yeah, so but Eternals you know is the it, other movie that I might go and it's see. It's the
1: movie experience. It's the getting yeah, the popcorn It's sitting there in, like, pitch black, you know. I love the movies. Probably a weird thing about me, I really like um, World War II movies, which is off-brand for me, but I really like them. (laughs) That is
0: really off-brand for you. Um,
1: (laughs) By the way... In case we haven't mentioned it, we are nominated in the Australian Podcast Awards for Best Branded Podcast, which is super exciting. We are, so um, excited. but because we're we're pretty confident we're not going to win, <laughs> uh, we need you to go and vote for us in uh, the People's Choice Awards. Um, so we're going to put the link in the episode notes. Uh, To go and vote for us in the Australian Podcast Awards. So hopefully we can win something on the night and it'll be worth a trip to Sydney. We're going to Sydney, finally. Oh my God. We've been waiting
0: our whole lives to go to Sydney. Well, yeah.
1: It's been a long time between Sydney trips. What would have been our last Sydney trip? So
0: our last Sydney trip would have been the Estee Lauder night where we. Yes. I reckon that was it. I reckon it was
1: as well. Yeah. Yeah. We went up to Sydney with Estee Lauder. Ah, oh, good times. Good Pre-COVID times. life. Well, yeah. it's now post-COVID life. We're post-COVID.
0: Back. We're back mm. in a big way. Yeah. All right. Well, um, okay. I'll let you say your little see ya, and <laughs> we'll be back next week. Go on. <laughs> see ya. No, that was too too high energy. Low <laughs> en- lower energy. I can't Bring it down. It. it makes me laugh now. You're right. Like see ya. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks everyone for joining us today. Don't forget to subscribe and tell your
1: friends. It helps other people to discover us. And also, we really want to know what you thought about this podcast. So if you can leave us a review, that would be much appreciated.